It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, and the captivating memoir, Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. My throat is a little hoarse today, and I have some um, congestion, so you may hear a couple of times of throat clearing, but I'm going to do my best to be clear and uh, sound as good as I always sound <laughs> for you, for my listeners. Um, so the question of today is, is it possible to live forever? Is immortality within reach of science and scientific breakthroughs? In today's special guest, world-class scientist, Dr. Muju Shi's book, How to Rejuvenate and Live 300 Years and Beyond, he discloses philosophical discourse, his systematic blueprint for living beyond today's human lifespan, illustrating the great potential of state-of-the-art technologies from an insider's perspective. Dr. Shi evaluates current technologies to select essential tools for such a grand goal and offers a unique view of trendy dietary supplements, longevity pills, and other biotechnologies. And most importantly, he answers some of the essential questions about life and death that everyone is curious about. Dr. Muchi Shi is a world-class scientist with ample experience in different branches of life sciences. During his extensive career, he has been studying the mechanisms of life, and Dr. Shi is now confounding a biotechnology company with several other world-renowned scientists. He lives in Durham, North Carolina. Good morning, Muji. Muju, Dr. Shi, and welcome. Good morning, Randy. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Okay. And um, today, you know, we're going to be talking about um, this concept of how to rejuvenate and live 300 years and beyond and your book, which is same name. So tell us a little bit about your background um, and how this became of interest to you. Yeah, sure. So, like, uh, the idea of this book actually starts, uh, like, 10 years ago. So when I was, like, working for my PhD in one of the top medical schools, at that time I met, like, uh, my working partner who had developed a new, like, gene delivery tool. So that we were fascinated by the efficacy and the, like, what can be done by this like uh, gene delivery system? So we're thinking about like you know ways to like improve human life with it, and uh, like we were thinking about like many others who like funding startups from medical schools were thinking about like diseases to cure. But uh, at that time, uh, you know like when gene, gene uh, therapies or gene delivery is not that like popular. Think about like the bigger. Uh, Picture. So we're thinking of bigger disease, like what's the most difficult disease that like, will ultimately and efficiently kill everyone? And the answer is aging. 
and which will ultimately lead to death. So we're thinking about like whether we can use like gene delivery or gene therapy to you know cure aging to cure the disease. So it's it's all so like that's how the idea starts. And then when we were working on that, we we're not only thinking about it as like a commercialization, commercialized product. We're also thinking about you know like uh, we ourselves also want to you know like rejuvenate and live longer. So like to really on the idea where I started to uh, look at different research and studies and talk with other KOLs, other like opinion leaders in the field and listen to what their uh, perspectives are and also how are their, what are their approaches uh, approaching like longevity. So, I mean, based on all those, like, I have like this firm belief that like, you know, uh, it can be done, it can be achieved with the help of technology and the science. So uh, with all that, like after years of thinking and the, this book comes out. And, you know, what's interesting to me as I do this show is I find out how much behind-the-scenes work is done in so many areas, things that we wouldn't even think about. And so this just really, you know, explains this area, that there really are people who are focusing on this kind of, um, you know, technology or uh, philosophy or, or whatever it may be. And... Um, that is just happening in so many areas, and we are moving forward with technology, so things are changing. Um, you say that um, we don't rule the body, that we're the humble servants of our DNA. So when you say that, um, explain that for us, please. For sure, yes. So actually, it's like, uh, since I have studied the mechanism of life for so long. And the, like through this study that I have worked with like different life forms like you know like mammals, bacteria and uh, like plants and also like human beings, right? And like the, the, the interesting thing or fact about that is like all of us are DNA based life forms, right? Like although we have different forms, we have different lifestyles, we have different metabolisms Everything was like programmed, or it's like originated from DNA. And the, like, although we are the most intelligent species in the world, I mean, we were way probably much smarter than the other uh, beings on the on the earth, and we have such a civilization developed based on our brain. But like, if you look back or look into our roots, we're still our DNA-based life form, and we struggle. With the same things like all the other life forms, like survival, right? Since we're talking about rejuvenation and live longer, and that's a big problem for human beings, and also a big problem for other animals or plants. It's a big problem for DNA-based life forms, and basically, it's a it's a struggling of the DNA itself, right? The DNA have formed on the these years for probably two, three billion years. And however, it has been struggling to try to, you know, like to prolong its existence on the Earth, right? There are so much like extinctions happen and it's try to diversify and, you know, like to, to become, to evolve into different life forms to keep on its existence. So we have all the like heritages from our DNA master, from our ancestor, but we have the same problem that is survival. And our 
why why I say that we are a humble servant is that we are ruined by it, right? Like the, our body is not designed to be live 300, 500, or indefinitely, right? It has like probably a natural lifespan cap there, probably it's around 100, 200 years, right? This is determined already by the DNA. So although we are smart, we are capable, we can do a lot of things, but because it's rooted in our DNA, we, we have like, you know, this lifespan. And also, it's not just about like how long we can live, it's all about like how we can live, right? We, we, we like to sleep at night or wake up in the morning. It's determined by our DNA. You know, we grow in our teens and it'll become mature in our 20s and 30s. It's not determined by our DNA. Or falling in love, all those things, those are signal pathways and uh, determined by ourselves, which also are rooted by our DNA. So that's the reason why I say, you know, although we are smart and are capable and we can have achieved so many things, but we're still the humble, humble servant of, of our DNA. Right, of our DNA. Um, uh, you say um, countless severe disasters have occurred on this planet in the past 3.8 billion years that have caused many distinction, distinctions. There's been five major ones that have killed over 70% of all species at that time. <clears throat> um, is that going to happen to us? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's hard to tell, right? It's hard to predict, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, like one thing that's probably is different is that like the, all the past like life forms on Earth, they don't have the power of mind kind, right? They, they, they cannot like change the nature at their will they, you know, they just like live with it. But like for okay. human beings, we can do so much more. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to predict, but if there will be an end to like humankind, it's either by, you know, I don't know. It could be an environmental or it could be like caused by ourselves, like as predicted by some other scientists. So, but I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell. I But I hope it's not our generation or our like, our children's or grandchildren's generation. I hope that right. yeah. solve the big problem and they mm-hmm. like can sustain in other forms, right? Since like it's, it's, human beings have been live on ERs only for like half a million to a million years. It sounds like a long time, but like compared to the history of Earth, it's just a blink. And like look at like the, how long can Earth live? This so I still have like probably five, six billion years left. So I think that if we can live as long as Earth, I think that for human beings, it's a, it's a, it's a great achievement. But right. I don't know. I mean, but it's likely that we cannot live that long. Right. You made it, and you made a great point, you know, when you said that we're different because we have the abilities. We're not just in survival mode all the time. While that is a big part of our lives, um, and it's always the focus of our lives, it's not the entire part. And we can research and we can learn and we can um, invent and, you know, be innovative and make changes and think about things differently. And so, you know, we can maybe head off something like that happening. And I think um, that's kind of happening now. Uh, yes, yes. So what is the healthy, youthful living state? Or you refer to HYL in your book. Uh, yeah, that's a very interesting topic. So since this book is ha- talking about rejuvenation and uh, like how to live 300 years and beyond. 
the one that like in the first part of the book that was just like reveal you know like what our ancestors did and what the like the popular concept of like longevity you know and also like things like yeah you know like what do we want to achieve we want to live a 300 year uh lifespan however like uh, one a crude fact is that like based on all these analyses and discussion it seems like that we cannot live 300 years just with our you know natural body or what's like what we have when we, when we were born so like to live that long we have to get into another state of our body, I mean, with the help of, like, you know, technology and also the lifestyle and also mental health, with all that together and generate, to, to develop a different state, which is better and improved as for, uh, to, to live longer. And I call that state HYL, like healthy, useful, longevity right so say that like people can live are capable to live 300 years so this that's a it's just a life it's a state of our life it's similar to our current living state but it's a little bit different because it's uh, like uh, it's healthier it's it's younger and can live longer so i mean in short i call it hyl so it's easier to talk in the book okay um and so when you talk about living 300 years and beyond, it's more of a philosophic question than a reality because who would really want to do that? I, I, I don't know of anybody that would really want to live that long. Um, it's, you know, we get tired eventually <laughs> of, 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 of the, the, you know, the lifestyle here on earth. And um, would you ever want to live 300 years and beyond? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, personally, I really want to live 300 years and beyond. And I know some of my friends, including my working partner, that who really want to, like, live that long because we see the, the potential of technology. And uh, we after do we do the research, we think that like, it's achievable if we do it correctly. Although like, I have talked with many of my friends who, like, ask, do they want to, like, live that long? And, you know, it, it depends. Some some of my friends want to live that long, and some of my friends, they just want to have, like, you know, normal life. So it really depends. So when I write the book that, well, you know, the, this book, that How to Regenerate and Live 300 Years and Beyond, it's a little bit different from other books talking about longevity. Is that, like, you know, the scope is so different. It's, like, 300 years, I think it's longer than the other like lifespan that people have been looking for so far. So that like in second part of the book, I was after we talking about, you know, like how to achieve it or the different tasks you have to be done to have a 300 year lifespan. Is that like talking about like, like you mentioned, philosophical or sort of more practical, right? Like you want to live that long, right? What you will, we will face if we have a 300 year lifespan because like to live 300 years, it's not like, you know, you have a lifespan, lifespan of that long. It's that you have to live through it day by day, like you mentioned. So many people may not like it. So in the second bar, part of the book, I, you know, we discuss a lot of topics related to different aspects of a 300-year living, like, you know, like your family, your friends, your jobs, and the society or the earth, right? So, I mean, why, since this is, this book is also about it's also for me because I really want to live 300 years. So I want to know that like the different aspects of things that I may face. 
However, actually, when I wrote the second part of the book, when I do all the research about those, I wouldn't hesitate, I mean, many times about whether it's, it's a good thing to live 300 years. Uh, one thing I talk about is, uh, you know, like finance, right? I mean, you have to within 300 years. However, if you have a lifespan that is that long, you cannot retire at your 60s, right? And uh, unfortunately, maybe you cannot retire at 200 years old. So, you know, like there are, you need to work a lot longer than mm-hmm. like the natural mm-hmm. human life. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and also have a job and save money. So it's a huge burden if you choose to live that long. However, I mean, philosophically, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a huge challenge, but it's also a huge opportunity. So in the end, I still choose that. Like, you know, I, I will work hard on it. Mm. Okay. Well, that's interesting. You, you kind of want to be around and see what happens. Uh, that's, that's, that's a scientific curiosity. <laughs> um, but you know, sure. yeah, I don't know your age, but you're fairly young um, based on, you know, your picture from what I see. Um, so you're not tired yet. You still got lots of hunger. <laughs> Give it another 40 years <laughs> and see if you still want to do it that long. But anyway, it is really interesting. So, okay. So one of the simplest and most common approaches to living a good life, a healthy life is to have a healthy lifestyle. And that often includes eating healthy food. We would sure, like yeah. to think that now, as someone who does this, has been doing this show for over 12 years and has talked to over 500 guests in that time, I've heard so many different approaches to healthy eating. And <laughs> it can, you know, it really can make a person crazy because what's healthy for one person may not be healthy for another. So for sure, yeah. how, do you, how do you define healthy eating? That is a very good question because I like you know like you mentioned that there are so many different approaches and like it could be a like all day long conversation and the, like arguing and the, like you know we cannot reach an answer. I mean for me I think that like you know the how the definition of healthy food is like keep your like all your parameters in our like balanced state so that in that state that you can sustain your life for very long. And also you don't, like, you are not eating something that's damaging your health. So I think it's a very simple or high-level uh, definition because it's so hard to find something that's really suitable for yourself. So in the book, I also talk about, like, healthy eating because, like, one, one philosophy about eating is that you are what you eat, right? So if you eat healthy, you become healthier. And if you eat, like, not healthy, so probably you become less healthier. Uh, there are definitely like very many like good healthy eating styles there. I mean, for example, uh, one thing I think I I talk about is the Okinawa diet. That's in uh, like one of the uh, Japanese islands that uh, like uh, the islanders on uh, have a uh, like the average longest life expectancy of all countries at that time. So that so people think well, you know, like the, maybe the Okinawa diet is the most healthy one. However, I mean, you were thinking about their lifestyle. Maybe you have to use li- uh, local food and also like adapt a local lifestyle and probably live in the same locality. So, with all those c- considerations, then making that eating healthy 
much harder than we expected. So I mean, for now, I don't think there's a the world will have like comprehensive solution for that, but I would say that like you know just like keeping a healthy diet and like also like enjoy yourself right because you, food is not only about like this is to provide energy and the nutrition, you also it's also like be part of enjoying your life. Right, you're right, and that was a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <coughs> we're hearing a lot. I'm sorry. We're hearing a lot about um, artificial intelligence, AI, and I know that you talk about it in your book. This is becoming a huge topic for people. And um, you say say in your book how they've tried to sort of copy the brain to transfer the mind and memory to reside in a computer or hard drive. And how does that work or why doesn't it work? Well, you know, like, there are so many ways of doing it, right? I mean, at a high level, like, right now, I, I think most of the uh, uh, people who study, like, neuroscientists and or study, like, AI, their approach is, like, using, a, like, computer systems trying to mimic the neuron transactions in our brain. And, uh, like, if it's simulated, like, good enough, they would say that you probably mimic uh, the function of a human brain and using like the scanning of electrical signals, you can replicate the functions or probably memories of the brain. However, personally, I don't think that's uh, really achievable. Or it's not like cannot be like achieving a full extent that like everything in our brain will be like uh, copied. The reason is just like our brain is so complicated so, like, you know, there are, we have neurons have, like, 150 trillion neuron connections, right? This is, like, 75 times over the number of galaxies in the observed universe, right? And, like, they are transacting so many times per, per, per second. It's just so hard to, you know, even you can capture everything, you know, in our brain. It will, it will only be an instinct, right? And then to replicate a function, it's our 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 brain is keep on evolving. It's to me, it's just like so hard. I mean, if you are mimicking such a sophisticated system with a just like simplified model, I I'm highly doubt that like can really be like copied, right? And another thing that so like in the book I talk about different aspects of it. One way is that like you really like just like copying your brain and upload it to a computer or something. Or like it's like easier you can like probably using uh some chip in your brain to like, you know, enhance its function, all those things. But like I'm still have a doubt in that because right now, like the signals you can capture in our brain it's so limited compared to like how many neuron trans- transactions are happening every second, right? Like we said, there are like 150 trillion neuron connections. I don't think that even the fastest computer can capture all of them in a blink of eye, right? Mm-hmm. And then if your signal is like low res, how can you like replicate all the things? So, you know, like we know that like we can use AI to do some of the functions. Like, you know, you can, uh, use them to like open your garage door or like turn on the light or turn on your TV and uh, listen to a song. Those are really cool. But how about things that are more complicated, right? I mean, I think people who are using smart technologies have always have experienced the time that, you know, like 
the AI is not really understanding you, right? If it's not mm-hmm. in there, really there. So I think it's just like, well, maybe since we, if if we can live really long, maybe you can see it. But right now, I don't think it's possible. So one example, uh, yeah, in the book, it's like, you know, say that I have a thought. It's like, I want you to have a double cheeseburger with crispy fried onion rings for lunch after this meeting. I don't think that any AI, by reading my brain, can get it right now, right? It could okay. be something similar. But like all the flavor, when I was thinking about like cheeseburger, all the flavors, right? like all the memories about like cheeseburgers coming to my head and how I choose like, you know, the fries, I don't think they can replicate that. Mm. Yeah. So that's the reason why I'm thinking that like, you know, since we are, our body is still the only dwelling place of our spirit or soul or mind, uh, probably we should like you better things with our body other than like think about, you know, like get rid of it and find a computer to to live. There's a, there's a Netflix uh, documentary uh, about what the future holds. And there's one segment where they talk about how death is going to be very different because we can sort of leave ourselves on a computer the way we want and where yep. they will take the DNA and use it mm-hmm. to plant a tree. And that tree is you. And then there's a way where you can actually go and visit the tree of your loved ones and it can talk to you. I mean, that was like, whoa, that is so amazing. But I can see how that could happen. For sure, quickly yeah. As yeah, as quickly as we're progressing. Um, yep. So... Uh, you talk about um, the um, the degradation of the body through certain systems, um, and can you give us a kind of a brief overview of how the system degrades, and then maybe what would keep it from degrading? I see. So actually, there are like our body are degrading from at different levels, right? If you look at a very microscopic, at the like the chemical level, right? The molecules that form our body, they get like there and they get like damaged by just like living through day by day, right? I mean, there are just like small molecules and or like bigger molecules, but they are just like chemicals. They can damage like uh, rubber or plastic you have at home, right? That after use, they, they can get like not as good as when you bought them. So that's at the chemical level. And also at like a higher level, at a cellular or molecular cellular level, that are your like different parts of a cell can also get like used because they have to get through metabolism and deal with like the things that are harmful to them and all the other like ways in the, in the cell that accumulates over time. So those things happen at a microscopic level, right? So, and over time, it will affect your metabolism, affect the expression over DNA. So there are one, uh, it's a very recent publication, I think it's like two weeks ago, saying that, you know, like the reason why that people aging, it could be that like the DNA cannot be expressed anymore because after so many uh, years of using them, like the proteins that like, like label them are, are not as good as they were when we were like, say, 10 or 20 years old. That's the reason why that some of the DNA that needs to be expressed and used are no longer 
be used when we're getting old. Those are things that happen at the chemical molecular or cellular level, right? If we look at more at like the bodies right, or our organs, right, can they also like like get like used or wear, right? One example is our lung, like, right? We were like breathing and uh, through it every day. It's like a filter, like a car filter, right? But like you change your car filter every half a year and it, it's really dirty. However, our lungs, we use it for our lifetime, but I mean, only a small population of people will like change their lungs, but for most people, we're using the same lungs. And the same lungs, they, they become dirty after a year. And the, for many of the cells that are like doing gas exchange, they just wear and the damage and mold function after years of use. It's very similar like a car, right? You have a, say, if a car is 10 year old, it's not as good as like when you bought it because I all because of all the wear. But for cars, you can like change different parts and you like make adjust things, make it right. However, to our body, there the things we can do are so limited. That's the reason why you know like there there are just so many damages accumulated over time, and it's a big thing that we have to deal with if we want to have a 300 year lifespan. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, I would imagine that um, each of us would would have to really research what is right for us, how um, how we can live our best lives, because I would imagine it's different for everybody. And what made me think sure. about that is, is modern medicine, because modern medicine mm-hmm. can kill us mm-hmm. and it can mask it can mask symptoms. For sure, and yeah. so for those who rely on modern medicine for everything, um, yep. it's generally not going to have a great outcome. You know, I'm somebody that's, I've been doing holistic medicine for years and years and years. It's the only thing that works with me. And um, acupuncture, functional medicine, um, you know, just every, every kind of aspect of it. <clears throat> so how does modern medicine fit into this um, if you have an opinion? Yeah, that's a very good question. So, I mean, for modern medicine, definitely helps. I mean, at least sometimes it helps, right? However, like you mentioned, there are also like many problems with modern medicine. Uh, we, for some of the like medicines that are targeting, uh, targeting a simpler mechanism, actually it works pretty, pretty well. Like for, for example, some of the anti-fever drugs or anti-reflux drugs, the mechanism is very simple and those drugs are very effective. However, for some of the drugs that are targeting a bigger problem, they're not very effective because like human beings are so complicated and once we have a, a, a more advanced disease or more complicated syndrome, it's usually, uh, you know, like multi-organ, have multi-organ woman and also it's related to different parts of our body. Next case that for modern medicine, usually it's only targeting one receptor, one protein, one target, whatever. It's hard to solve a problem that is so complicated, right? We all hope that complicated problems have a simple solution. However, it's not usually the case, especially when we are talking about like human body. So that's the reason why that like, you know, sometimes you see that, especially for complicated disease like modern medicine, you know, 
it's, it can be doing well, especially in combination, but sometimes it's not working so well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated. It can do what mm-hmm. it's supposed to do, but doesn't mean that what it can do can solve your problem. And mm-hmm. uh, also, if you look at like current like clinical trials, since that the, the system is so complicated, for those multi, multi for many of the modern medicines to show their efficacy, their like their clinical trials was like designed so specifically that you know the inclusion criteria is so high. Only a small population of patients are really. Uh, demonstrating the effectiveness and also the effectiveness is only like usually like five to ten percent so that's the reason why you know like definitely that for people who works it works uh, it works well but however it's not obviously it's not for everyone and usually i mean unfortunately it sometimes you cannot solve the problem right you know i i recently went to a um a functional medicine doctor and i was amazed at what he knew about the body that I had never heard of and never understood. And he traced my problems all the way back to childhood. He showed me the research. He showed me so many things to back up what he was saying. And um, I just found that really, really interesting. And so a lot of what we're walking around with, we've been carrying for quite a while. It's been existing in our body in some way, maybe wreaking havoc in our body some way. How do you feel about the um, <clears throat> the COVID vaccines? Uh, well, I know that anti- like vaccines is probably a pretty sensitive like topic, but personally, I'm personally I I, I had all my shots. I also have my boosters. So, you know, to, it's, it's like in the early days of COVID, the death rate is like a, a quite high. That's really why I say, well, you know, although I, I know that people worry about many things about vaccine, but comparably, it seems like the benefit is higher than the risk. That's the reason why I choose to do it. But, like, oh, of course, different people have different opinions. Okay. And right. I want another, yeah, another interesting thing is that, like, you know, the, the book was, like, written COVID. Actually, many part of it is written before COVID. And I, in the book, I talk a lot about, like, RNA, uh, how to use RNA as vaccines and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's before COVID, so nobody was u- really using RNA vaccines. But, you know, like, during COVID, like, billions of people have get shots of, like, RNA vaccines. So you see that, like, you know, like, technology definitely is being changing. But, like, whether it's good for everyone, you know, remains to be seen. And, like, personal experience definitely will always differ. What happens when we recode our RNA through these vaccines? Well, I mean, actually, we are not recoding our RNA with RNA vaccine. So for RNA vaccine, it's like, it's a different gene delivery system. So the one way is that you can deliver our DNA and then the DNA transcript to RNA and RNA translate to protein. Or if you deliver RNA directly, it can be translated to protein, and usually it's a part of the antigens that like, can uh, boost your immune uh, system. So that's the reason of like, using RNA, because it doesn't really get back to DNA in most of the cases, and it's just like gen- to generate the protein antigens that like to, to, to trigger immunity. So hmm. it's a uh, it's not that like you need to work. Well, I mean, it depends on the way that the delivery system works. The 
that usually won't like affect your own DNA. However, in certain cases, if you are using some of the delivery system, like RNA may be retransferred back to your DNA and just like resist in your genome. It, it could happen, otherwise the possibility is, is very low. Hmm. Okay, so that's so interesting. Um, I'm just looking through your book here. And I mm-hmm. came upon the game of stochasticity. What is what is that? Stochasticity. What is that? Yep, yeah, stochasticity is actually another way to say randomness. So it's about like this. Actually, it's a, a little bit philosophical. It's just saying now, you know, like in this, uh, uh, life is a game of randomness, right? So even we have a 300-year lifespan. We won't be able to. Well, I mean, nobody can guarantee that you can live 300 years. It's like that. Even nowadays, with all the modern technology and other things and a healthy lifestyle, nobody can guarantee that you can live, or we can live 100 years, right? And it really depends. So, it's, uh, however, when I use uh, like the game of stochasticity, I was talking about cancer, right? You know, like cancer happens, unfortunately, but you know, it's really. But somebody never gets cancer and lives 120, 130 years, but some people get cancer at very young age. But, like, most of the parts is determined by, you know, randomness, because, like, you don't know whether your DNA get mutated, whether a mutation is severe enough to cause cancer, cancer like, changes and causing cancer. So that's the reason why I call it a game of randomness. Mm. And you say with a long with a long lifespan, even the most efficient DNA repair systems cannot prevent DNA mutations from accumulating, and the cells from developing cancerous abnormalities. Why is that? Yeah. So, like this is in the like the mechanism of cancer, right? So, like the how cancer happens most of the time is that like you know you have mutations in your DNA. However, we have a super long DNA and the mutation, although they happen randomly, they don't always happen on your critical genes. They could be on a region that have no function or things like that. But also, we have a very sophisticated DNA repair system so who can correct like, you know, the, the errors and mutations. However, we just have so DNA and also have so many cells that contain DNA. So like every day, I mean, there is an estimation that we have a 1 million mutations per day, right? So like most of them are corrected. However, some of them like, may, are not corrected. And like you were thinking probably you have every day you are accumulating one or two mutations per day. And then like the accumulations will just like, the, the mutations will just accumulate over time. So like there will be likely be one day that like you one of your critical genes were mutated. That's like, that's the reason why I say it's a game of randomness. There's a stochastically that your critical gene is mutated. However, even your critical gene is mutated, doesn't mean that you will get cancer, right? It's mean that like maybe the mutation is not critical enough to cause any changes in the cell. And how, unfortunately, some people, I mean, their mutation be affecting the cell. But even the, when they're affecting the cell, their cells have different like mechanisms to correct it, and also like they will have an immune system can kill the cells that if they are not like normal. However, there are still another game of randomness. Some cells can escape the checking system and become cancer cells, 
And however, even after that, like the cancer, a single cancer cell doesn't mean that it will become cancer, right? And because we still have bodyguards to protect us. However, unfortunately, some people, another game of randomness, that their cancer cells become cancer, right? Even though become cancer, some cancers are curable and some are not. So you see that everything was like as a game changer. However, we're thinking about since we're living longer and longer, the the the, the accumulation of like mutations become more and more. So that's the reason why that like in can in the in different textbooks like cancer of tech, cancer biology, they usually say that like you know if you live long enough, you get cancer ultimately, right? This is based on statistically. It may seem to happen. However, I mean, at an individual level, maybe we are the lucky one who never get cancer because all the mutations were either corrected or they never hit a critical gene. It all depends. Hmm. Very interesting. Thank you. Hmm. Yeah. However, I mean, another thing is that like, although, <clears throat> from a human perspective, like, yeah, we will, if we live long enough, we all get like cancer ultimately. However, in the book we discuss about like the how the different other animals, some the other animals they don't get cancer, right? So they are like they have different mechanisms to protect them. Like for for example, I think the sharks. For sharks, they have like more powerful DNA repair system than ours, so that they are more, uh, they are more effective. They have different multiple copies, so they have more checking proteins in their cells to protect them from DNA mutations. So that's the one thing that we can adapt with, like gene delivery system or gene therapy, is that if we also have like multiple copies of guards, then our chance of getting cancer is much less. Like can like yeah, like sharks that almost never get cancer, although there are a few cases reported. But usually, like most of them, they never hear of cancer at all. Hmm. Well, I guess they can't really pick up the phone and tell you. <laughs> but but sure, no, yeah. I know I know there's research. Um, I know that 3D printing of organs is something that is. I don't know if they're doing it. I mean, if they're doing that, I don't know that uh, doctors or surgeons are actually using these parts yet i'm not really sure but but that does exist doesn't it oh yeah i mean actually that's a very interesting field right now but uh, i uh, luckily i have been friends with like some of the researchers in that field i have like, heard about them like they're making a 3d printed like lungs or 3d printed like hearts uh however i think well i mean it's in developing which is good but i think it's still a little bit prim- primitive because like you know think about lungs and heart they are they are so sophisticated right if even you know, just like stick different cells in layers and put them together in a form of heart over lungs doesn't mean that they are fully functional like that right so there are so many things that are microscopically that like are changing things so it's not like at a cellular level right if i put a heart cell uh, like next to another heart cell, and then after another, they become a heart. They have all those like like molecular level like connections and signal pathways that make them like function together, right? So it's hard to build those things right now at a 3D printing level. However, I mean in the future, maybe it's possible. You can see that right now, like for 3D printed like skin or muscles, that's much more like much more developed 
than like mm-hmm. 3D printed organs. Yeah, so that's the reason why that people are using different approaches. Like, you know, some people are have like mutated pigs or other animals and try to grow human organs in them, although they they also have like, you know, like immunity problems and other problems. But, you know, that's, that's the reason why people are trying different approaches right now. We are headed in such an interesting direction. It's, I mean, I mean, I guess if, you know, 30 years ago you would have told us what society today, what we would be doing, how every child and every adult would be walking around with a phone that was a computer, that was a camera, that was a video recorder. I mean, we would have said that is impossible. So, um, you know, we really don't know what's coming. And I know there is a lot, um, a lot in the works, definitely a lot. Can we, you know, so can we change our DNA and genetic tendencies if um, if we have this history that goes back that says, you know, everybody got this cancer or everybody had heart disease or there were mental illness or so forth and so on. Is there a way to alter the DNA? For sure, yes. I, I think that, I mean, right now, like, like you mentioned, like 30 years ago, if we're talking about like how people nowadays live, I mean, people 30 years ago may not, like, leave it. And, like, if we're talking with, like, people, like, I say 10 years about, like, you know, mutator genes and cure some disease, many of them won't believe it either. But right now, like, I think there, in the world, there are, like, two, 300 clinical trials for gene therapies are, like, conducting right now. So there are so many people are starting to benefit from it, right? Although I would say that, like, gene therapy right now is not, well, it's good, but it's not, like, like it's not like can cure everything, but certainly it helps a lot, especially for some genetic like rare diseases. Uh, for the diseases you mentioned, like cancer or something, some of them maybe can be cured by gene therapy, but some of them may not be like genetic disease that cannot like really help with what we have right now. But like, in the future, if we have much more power and can really control our genes with gene delivery. And then I think everything is possible because I like basically it's like you have a computer and you have the administration account and you can like change all the settings by yourself. Then really you have total control of that computer, right? So yeah, really I think that like if we have keep on this like the trend of development and in the next like 20, 30 years, I think a lot of things will become the reality. Yes. So we want to be around to see it. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. That's the reason why that, you know, like, uh, why I write the second, wrote the second part of the book of think about, like, oh, so many, there are so much burden about living a longer life. However, there are so many opportunities, right? So that's the reason why, you know, it's fascinating to live a much longer life and also, like, keep healthy and young at the same time. Right. And and that requires that we um, monitor our habits and make sure that they're healthy habits. What are some other things that we can do? For sure, I mean there are some like so in the in the in the in the book I I have like ten tasks about how to like rejuvenate and live a three hundred year lifespan, and they can like they can for the ten tasks. There are like many things that I like need the help of technology, but there are also like things that small things that we can do by ourselves. 
for example, like you mentioned, like keep a healthy lifestyle, and we we'll also talk about like eating, right? Eating healthy foods, eat foods that are, like good for you, and also like other small things like avoid danger, like I mentioned, it's like you know, uh, just avoid like violence and other things that may harm yourself and may kill you. Those things are also important, right? Also, like keep updated with all the newses and also like development of technology and other things that like, may help you uh, live longer. Like you mentioned, like herbal medicine or other medicine that could be good for you. Those are also important, right? So keep you prepared once that, like, things are ready for you to live longer. I think that's very important. Yeah, I found um, I've been using Chinese medicine for years and years and years, and I, oh, it's wow. amazing to me because they address things that Western medicine says cannot be addressed. <laughs> I mean, it's truly amazing. I, I just think it's an incredible science. Um, yeah. What about – uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Since we're talking about Chinese medicine, so since like actually it's very interesting, right? So although I was like, uh, all my like knowledge system is like based on medical medicine, but I do benefit from Chinese medicine, and also I know friends who like benefit from Chinese medicine, which is well, I mean, it's hard to explain using like you know like the medical medical theories or something like that. So one of my friends who got like. It's like very severe kidney disease, and he like like the doctor just told him like you cannot live like past a year because your kidney is damaging and probably will require dialysis and other things. But like, so he find since he has no cure from like Western uh, from like you know, modern medicine, he just turned to Chinese medicine to give it a try, and he I think he now lives like six seven years. I mean, it's wow. hard to explain how it happens, you know. And because, like, for Chinese medicine and many other, like, traditional medicine, they are using a complicated system to deal with complicated problems. So it's hard to sort it out what, it, what really works, right? But it doesn't mean that – but it cannot, like, deny the fact that it works. So that's the part. But for modern medicine, it's, like, it's we are using simplified system to – solve like complicated problem, right? So once that we solve our problem, we know why and we know how to replicate it. So, you know, I think it, it's a different like, system and a different way of thinking, but who knows? I mean, it's hard, it's, it's still very hard to explain using like, you know, current science for many of those like, you know, like results gained from uh, Chinese medicine or other like mm-hmm. traditional medicine, for right. sure. Right. I mean, I know that through Chinese, Chinese medicine addresses viruses, which is something that um, Western medicine is maybe just kind of beginning to, to deal with that. And um, I, I know of certain formulas that I keep on hand. Should I get a virus? Should I get a cold? Something like that. I know to take it immediately. And it, it, it completely gets rid of it. So there are ways to do this. Of course, you know, Chinese medicine is not the only way, but I just thought I would mention it. So the last thing I want to ask you as we wind down is um, mental illness is on a rise. And this is a particularly important topic for me because this is the field in which I work. So, yep. so mental, we know that our minds great, are the influence for our bodies, right? So sure, how, yeah. do we, how do we keep our minds in a place where um, they are not, 
wearing down our immune system, which is really what happens a lot of times. That's a very good question. I think I'm not an expert in like mental illness, but I hear one thing called like placebo effect, right? The way that placebo effect is like once you have this like positive mindset or thinking that you're improving, your body responds like I don't know like through what system, but like due to some of signaling, your body reacts and really work hard to become better. So I mean, although I'm not, I don't know much about like mental illness, but I think that keeping a positive mindset and the live with it is really important. Right. And I, and, and yeah, what you said is, is very important because our bodies do tell us, our bodies talk to us. And I would venture to say that most people don't listen to their bodies. They just keep going, pushing forward, you know, pushing through it and everything like that. I think if we just listen to our bodies, they're going to tell us everything. For sure, yeah. Actually, that's a, that's. I think this philosophy is very similar to Chinese medicine. So, like, you know, like Chinese in Chinese medicine, they don't think about like viruses and bacteria, whatever. They think about like, you know, if your body have a problem, that is your body has a problem. So you need to treat your body, right? So even if like you know it's a it's a virus invasion or it's like your body is damaged, whatever, it's a, your body's problem. So you know, just treat your body better. That's a, I think that's a, it's a philosophically different mindset, but it's really mind-blowing, right? It's like, you know, it's, you need to, in the end, you have to deal with yourself. That's the most important part. And also for mental illness, I think it's the same thing, right? In the end, you have to deal with yourself. So how do you, like, know, should you, like, know yourself better and treat yourself better? I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you just touched on something super important because... Uh, self-love is at the root of pretty much all mental illness healing. And uh, if, you know, if the person has that capacity to do it and um, yeah, loving yourself, taking care of yourself is really the ultimate answer to a lot. So that's a very, very good point. So um, as we wind down, um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that I didn't question you on? I know there's so much more. Uh, not really. I think you cover a lot of topics, and all of them are very detailed, and uh, it's a nice conversation. Oh, good. I'm glad that you feel like we got everything. That's wonderful. Um, okay, so your book is How to Rejuvenate and Live 300 Years and Beyond, A Systematic Blueprint for Living Beyond the Human Lifespan. And uh, this book is available through typical channels like Amazon, and where else can we get this? Yeah, you can find it in like all the major bookstores or online like Amazon and Barnes and Nobles, like you mentioned. Okay, that sounds great. Um, and do you have a website or um, that that you publish articles or blogs on or anything like that? Yeah, there's a website for this book, which is by three hundred year old org. Okay. And is there more than just a book on that site, or um, do you do you publish articles there, or is it basically just about the the book? Right now, it's basically just about the book. Okay, all right, that's fine. No, no problem, no problem. I know you're busy in the labs and in researching and doing all kinds of things, um, studying this. So um, you're not sitting around like I am. <laughs> 
publishing articles on blogs. <laughs> I probably have more time to do that. But anyway, um, it's been really fun talking to you, Muju, and um, I thank you for being my guest today and, and giving us this insight for those who are listening who really do want to have that longevity. Um, I have it in my family. Um, most of my family lives into, well into their 90s and um, maybe hundreds. Nice. So, yeah, it's I have it in my family. So I guess I'll be around for a while unless, you know, <laughs> unless there's a different plan for me. Um, but it's been really great talking to you. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you so much for having me again. You're very welcome. Have a great day. Take care. You too. Take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. Actually, I keep saying that because you know what? I say that in my sleep. One time, <laughs> my husband told me I talked in my sleep and I said my whole beginning or end of the show because I've been doing it for so long. I want to correct that email address because it's randy at randyfine, so much easier, randy at randyfine.com. If you haven't already visited my website, randyfine.com, please do and uh, become a subscriber. It's, I, re- I recently had it redone. It's very easy to navigate. It's very interactive. There are hundreds of great articles mainly focused on mental health. Um, some, you know, there's some other things, but mainly focused on mental health. And uh, you could spend a little while there. And if you are suffering any issues around narcissism, codependency, uh, letting go of the past, anything like that, uh, that's the work that I do one-on-one with people. So thank you for listening today. Uh, it's been a pleasure. May joy and serenity always be yours. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.